Hello, I'm Tyler Smith, and this is More Than One Lesson, um, episode 26, I believe. Uh, so, uh, today we're going to be talking about the film Iron Man. Uh, the sequel will be coming out uh, within the next uh, week and a half or so. Uh, so I thought I would actually uh, talk about a movie that people uh, have seen. Um the original Iron Man, uh, directed by uh, John Favreau, who also directs the sequel, was made uh, in 2008, and uh, I I love the film. It's it is one of my favorite uh, movies of that year, and uh, certainly one of my favorite superhero movies of all time. Um, you know, it was interesting that it, it was released the same year as The Dark Knight, and the films really are uh, you know night and day uh, as far as. Um, as far as the approach, um, maybe not night and day, but, uh, you know, you look at, you look at, um, the dark Knight, and it's very, it's hyper real. It's very serious. Um, it's, you know, I mean, it's fun, you know, the action is fun, but it's also, you're also very much on edge and you're never really sure what to expect. And, uh, and it really, it kind of takes its cues from its villain, which was the Joker. And, uh, and uh, you know, I enjoy the movie. That was that was a movie that I that I liked that year as well. But um, but it was very dark and very very serious, and there was a lot going on there. Uh, with Iron Man, uh, there's a lot going on with with that film as well, as we will uh, discuss in a moment. But uh, but it was more fun. It was more uh, it was more of what one would uh, associate, what one would instinctively associate with uh, a superhero movie. Um, it's it clearly takes a lot of joy in showing us, you know, the hero shots of of uh, of Iron Man, and um, so we'll 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 get into that uh, first before we get into uh, the thematic elements of it. Um, so, whoops. So for those that um, that don't know, um, Iron Man is uh, based on a Marvel comic book, uh, and. Uh, Iron Man is is kind of one of the one of the Marvel staples at this point. He's right up there with Spider Man, Captain America, the Incredible Hulk, Thor. Um, he's you know he's he's one of the heroes that has had uh, a great deal of staying power, uh, and it's basically uh, a, a billionaire uh, industrialist, a, a weapons manufacturer named Tony Stark. Uh, he it, it, this is in the original comics. He uh, he gets. Uh, kidnapped and held hostage by a uh, by I believe a in the original comic I believe a communist group and um, and while he is uh, in their clutches he uh, they they demand that he develop uh, a, a new weapon for them and uh, so they put him in this uh, in this uh, you know in this prison and give him a lot of materials and he does not make a weapon for them instead he makes a, uh, a an iron suit for himself and blasts his way out um and uh and then of course one of the key things is that uh his heart is is damaged and so first things first he he builds himself uh not necessarily a mechanical heart but a device that that keeps uh that keeps his heart going and also powers the suit at the same time so so that's that's the basic, and then of course he so he he busts out, and then he modifies his suit, and uh, and fights crime and and all that sort of thing. So, so that's the that's the initial comic book, and uh, and the new film, uh, much to its credit, does not do a lot to change that. Um, it 
however, it does it, it updates it in kind of an interesting way, because if you read the old, I uh, I was interning at a at a uh, film uh, production company uh, when the first Iron Man came out uh, a couple years ago, and uh, and so uh, this company was interested in comic book uh, movies and, and comic books in general, so they actually had uh, an anthology of. The old, you know, the original Iron Man comic books, and so I was leafing through them, and uh, it was really quite astounding that how in updating uh, the story they had to update a lot of things about the character because um, in in the original story, you know, it, it it was it took place during the Cold War, and of course the communists were absolutely evil, and so you know a, a weapons manufacturer, uh, an American weapons manufacturer who uh, could just help us, you know, destroy the communists. Uh, he was already a hero. That, that's what's fascinating about the the original comic book is that the character was seen. He was a hero, uh, a hero already, and then he became Iron Man, and that was, uh, and so he he was just a a different kind of hero, and that was it. Um, in the updating, uh, and so now we'll start to get into the the film itself. Uh, in the updating, he's he's not a hero. He's actually kind of a, this is an old-fashioned word, he's kind of a cad, just in general. He's a womanizer. He drinks a lot. Um, he's kind of spoiled because this was his father's company first, and he just, you know, he's never really had to work that hard. But he is a technical wizard, certainly, um, so he actually he does work uh, a great deal. But um, his attitude about being a weapons manufacturer... Um, is very cavalier, um, and uh, even though you know uh, reporters talk to him about, well, you know, you know, your weapons have been imported to other countries and are being used to, you know, suppress you know rebellions and and oppress uh, innocent people, um, and uh, and Tony Stark doesn't really uh, care that much, and so he's he's viewed as kind of a kind of a not necessarily a villain but certainly an anti-hero. He's a charming guy, but uh he doesn't seem to think much about the consequences of his actions, you know, people are being hurt and killed and it, and it doesn't really bother him because he can't put a face on it. Uh and then sure enough, uh he you know, the story is pretty much the same. He gets uh held hostage in, uh, in this case by uh you know, some terrorists in Afghanistan. And uh and one of the guys, and he's held hostage with another guy who, uh, you know, he gets to know. And, and this guy tells stories about how, you know, his his family was killed uh, by weapons that came from Tony's uh, business. And so, so again, as I said, he, he puts a face on, on what he had been doing wrong and his irresponsibility. And not to mention, you know, he himself has now been horribly victimized. And so, uh, so he, uh, you know, he, he blasts out and, uh, and gets back to the United States. And, uh, and I guess right now I'll go ahead and talk about, uh, what I would venture to say is the greatest asset to the film, which is Robert Downey Jr., who plays, uh, he plays Tony. And, uh, you know, it was interesting at the time, uh, when, cause, Robert Downey Jr. He was just starting to come back. He'd been in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, and and people were starting to take him seriously again. Um, and then, and then I think he was in tra- he was in Tropic Thunder the same year. And 
he just and so they they cast him as Tony Stark and and everyone's like oh well that's odd because you know you you'd think they would go with someone a little bit younger um, as they have been with with a lot of their superheroes but you know it, it's fascinating because Robert Downey Jr. he brings a lot to a role and I don't just mean talent I mean a lot of people know of his about his uh, his problems in the past with drugs and alcohol and. And Tony him and but he he's always been viewed as kind of a kind of a playboy with like a an incredibly charming attitude and a good looking guy and and all that and so in a lot of ways he is Tony Stark you know he's got money but he also he drinks a little too much he's kind of a womanizer um, and so casting him was actually uh, kind of brilliant because you don't think of him as a superhero. Much and, and when we watch the film, we we don't see how Tony Stark could ever actually become the noble Iron Man of the of the comic books. But he, uh, but he does. You know, he's he's faced with with what he used to be, and he decides he's going to try and be something else. Um, and so, so Robert Downey Jr., who's a much better actor than a lot than I think a lot of people. Uh, thought. I mean, he had been nominated for an Oscar for a Chaplin, uh, you know, 15 years ago, and so, so people knew that he was good, but he kind of just fell off the radar, and then he showed back up, and and now he's now he's a star again, um, bigger than he ever was, I would say. And uh, and th- but there's a lot of good, there's a lot of great performances in this film, and I would I would actually go so far as to to say that that you know there's a lot of I mean, every year there's, you know, comic book movies and fantasy films and, and action movies, and that's fine. But if you if you look at the ones that really work, it's not so much about the... Uh, and please note that I said the ones that work, not necessarily the ones that make money. Um, the ones that really work, the ones that people talk about, are the ones that connect with you on a deeper level than merely flashing lights at you and... Um, and and dazzling you because that'll be fun in the moment, but when the movie is over, uh, you don't remember much about it, you know. But if you look at the Dark Knight and the first two Spider-Man films and the first two X-Men films, um, you know, these are the, the key is that the the writing and the characters come first, and they and the filmmakers make an effort to get that right to to, to do justice to the characters from the comics, certainly, but also to try to bring in people who aren't uh, comic book fans. And so if you do that, if you get that right, then then people will be much more invested. And, of course, then if you, if you have got really solid action sequences, then we'll be even, you know, they'll be breathtaking, but not just because the action sequences are great, but because we actually care about the people involved. And it's, and that's something that I think uh, John uh, Favreau understood with Iron Man is, you know, he understand, he understood that he needed, he couldn't just have, you know, he couldn't just have the suit, the Iron Man suit do all the work. We had to care about the man inside and the villain played by, um, Jeff Bridges, uh, the character's name is Obadiah Stane, and um, uh, spoilers, I guess I, I should have said that. I'm sure most people have already seen Iron Man at this point, but uh, but yeah, uh, it's it's really fascinating. I, I said uh, back when back when we talked about uh, acting, I said that Jeff Bridges is is a fascinating actor because he just brings such a such a sense of relaxation, um, or at least comfort with all of his characters. It doesn't matter if he's playing 
the dude in Big Lebowski or Bad Blake in Crazy Heart, for which he just won an Oscar, or he's playing, you know, a villain whose head is shaved and he's got a big beard uh, and he's wearing a suit and he's required to, you know, be villainous. Uh, he's always at ease. And, and it was just so... He never seems like he's overacting, even when the character is over the top. And so there's a lot going on with Obadiah Stane. And if you actually look at the, the you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Jeff Bridges, when they're relating to each other on a, on a personal level, even if they, whether they're angry or not, um, those scenes have, have just as much electricity um, as the scenes in which uh, it's these two uh, metal suits fighting each other. And so it... Uh, Again, John Favreau really understood the importance of of casting the right actor, but of course also crafting the right character, um, so that we actually do you know we're left remembering more than merely uh, a bunch of explosions. Um, now, I think maybe one of the problems with Iron Man is the 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 ending you know the the big fight at the end uh, you know it, it kind of becomes a, a typical action movie at the end, but you know but at the same time. It it earned it, you know what I mean? Because as I say, you you felt invested in the characters that were in the fight, even if you even if the fight was not was only so good and only so coherent. Um, it didn't it didn't really matter. I mean, I, I could. It reminds me of um, of like the old time uh, film noir, uh, films noir. Um, is that how you say it? I think so. Um, where basically. You know, the writer and director would create these amazing characters, and then the story would be incredibly serpentine, and you couldn't even really follow it. But it didn't really matter what the story was. What mattered was the characters, the effect that the story had on the characters. And so, while you, the audience, maybe never totally understood what was going on, you were still invested. I mean, you were confused but you are still watching the reactions of the characters and taking your cues uh, emotionally from them. And so that's kind of what happens at the end of Iron Man. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I love, I love uh, Iron Man. It's just so much fun. I find myself watching it on a regular basis. Uh, it's just it's fun, but there also is a depth there. Because, I mean, there's, there's some social satire, you know, because um, there's a in regards to uh, the way America does things and the, the relationship between, you know, business and the government and that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, but also emotionally, there's a lot going on. I mean, this is a character, Tony Stark is a character who, um, who's just content to just go along with things as they are pretty much his whole life. And then something comes along and shakes him up. And he is forced to look at who he really is and, and the consequences of what he's done. And when he sees those things, he realizes that he needs to make a change. And uh, that will bring us actually to uh, the companion film, which is a film that I love. It's another superhero movie, um, though not necessarily a comic book film. Uh, it is 1994. Uh, it came out in 1994. Uh, it was called The Shadow. And, uh, and it's, you know, the... These two films are actually very, very similar. Uh, the film was directed by Russell Mulcahy. I don't know if that's how you say it. Um, he's an Australian director. Um, and uh, for those that don't know what The Shadow is, uh, there was a, a, a character, and I don't remember quite 
where the character started. I mean, it was it it, it got the character got famous on the radio, um, voiced by I mean, ba- you know, back in the '30s, and the character was voiced by uh, Orson Welles, and so um, that was you know, so that was really uh, exciting for me as a as a Welles fan that you know he kind of made this character famous. Uh, I didn't know that when the film came out. Um, I was, let's see, it was 94. So I was 12 and my, my brother, my dad and myself went to go see like a midnight show of it. So we saw it on the first day. I was really excited to see it. Um, you know, when I was a, when I was a kid, I, for some reason, I just, I always looked forward to those movies, even though some of them were kind of old timey, uh, like Dick Tracy and the Rocketeer and, um, and the shadow you know, I didn't know any of the history about it. All I knew is it looked neat to me. And then I collected the action figures and all that. Although it became very clear that uh, the film did not do that well. And uh, the toy companies uh, really seemed to think that the, that it was going to do much better than it did. But um, uh, but it's the, the story is, is so, so very similar uh, to Iron Man um, in a lot of ways. Not the least of which is that its lead character... Uh, the character's name is uh, Lamont Cranston, and he's played by Alec Baldwin. Now, these days, because of Thirty Rock and and various other things that he's done, we know of we know Alec Baldwin as a comedic actor. Um, there, you know, there's probably an entire generation of people who only know him as a comedic actor. Um, you know, but in the early '90s, uh, he was viewed as a like a serious actor with some comic sensibilities, you know, which he brought to films like Glengarry Glen Ross and Hunt for Red October. But he was viewed as a serious lead actor. Um, but in The Shadow, he's allowed to be a little more playful, uh, even though the film is still is still very dark. I would say it's darker than Iron Man. But, um, but basically, he's Lamont Cranston. He's very rich. It's, it's very, uh, in some ways, it's kind of bat, uh, Batman-esque. Um, but he's very rich. But he he uh, leaves America and he becomes a he becomes a warlord in I believe uh, China. Um, I don't. Qu- I, I'm sorry. I don't quite recall exactly where it was. It's been a while since I've seen the film, and unfortunate. Uh, I have it on DVD, but I lent it to somebody, so uh, so I couldn't uh, make reference to it. But he's basically he's in in China in the 19 you know uh, like the 19. 19- twenties uh, and thirties. And he's basically this warlord who, uh, you know, you see images of him and he's got this long stringy hair and, and he basically is kind of this puppet master. He, he orders people to be killed and stuff. And he just, and he, he just rules over this place and he, he does a lot of terrible things. And then he is, uh, he's suddenly kidnapped in the night and taken to uh, this this mysterious uh, spiritual leader um, named uh, the Tulku, I believe. And the Tulku sa- says that it's time for him to pay for his crimes, but the way he's going to do that is he's going to uh, he's going to draw from himself. He's going to look inward, recognize the 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 darkness of his own heart and the crimes that he's committed uh and the and the pain that he feels and the hatred uh both of himself and of everybody else and he's going to use that uh to fight against the criminal element 
and he will be taught, you know, he'll be trained in these uh, strange ways and he'll be trained to cloud men's minds. So it's all about uh, telepathy and, and telekinesis and, and stuff like that. And uh, so basically he, he learns these things and then several years later he goes to New York he takes a, you know, he, he goes back to being, you know, the, the millionaire playboy. Uh, but then, you know, uh, when darkness falls, uh, he becomes the shadow, uh, and the, he gets the name because he can make himself, he can cloud men's minds so that he seems invisible, but his shadow will still be visible. And so he's called the shadow. Um, and as the shadow, he tries to wipe out crime, uh, as much as he can. Um, and so I realize that what I just said sounds kind of hokey, and it is, but it it treats it as, as like, look, we all know this is kind of silly, but the emotion is still there. Lamont Cranston still, you know, has that deep hatred and that deep evil inside him, uh, but then he that that also equips him to understand where evil people, you know, what criminals are going to be doing. Like, because it's one of the, sorry, everybody, um, the, one of the slogans of the shadow, uh, including the old, uh, the old radio series is, uh, uh, who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men, the shadow knows. And the reason that he knows is because he was that that's, he knows it intimately because, uh, he was, uh, an evil man. And so, but again, much like Tony Stark He's kidnapped now. In this case, you know, he's kidnapped. Something comes along that he doesn't choose, and it forces him to look at himself, at his crimes, at the consequences, and then it requires something of him. Not and and so he turns around and and puts that you know puts what he's done. He puts it to as good a use as you can, and and tries to do good, uh, much like uh, Tony Stark, and. Uh, and it's and it's still a lot. Of, it's a it's a very fun film, much like uh, much like Iron Man, um, and I don't know. It's it's fun because both these guys are very charming, and Alec Baldwin is very charming while still being uh, very dark. And there's just a lot going on with the film. Um, but from a thematic standpoint, uh, that's really what I what what got me about both of these films is you know from a from a Christian standpoint. Uh, I I looked at these films, and one of the things that popped into my mind was the story of Saul slash Paul. Um, for those that don't know, uh, you know, right when uh, Christianity was, uh, you know, a- after Christ uh, died and and was resurre- resurrected and then uh, uh, ascended to heaven, um, and and then all that was left was Christianity. Uh, and so it was still pretty small, but it was growing. Uh, there was, you know, a great deal of uh, of fighting against it. And uh, there was a guy named Saul who, you know, did everything he could to persecute Christians. Um, but then uh, on the road to Damascus, um, he was confronted by God, you know, with uh, with like a white light and he was blinded. Um, and God spoke to him and said, why are you, uh, persecuting me? And, and so, and then Saul all of a sudden saw the error of his ways and the, and the evil that he had done. And he, and he became Paul. He changed his name to Paul. And then he started, then of course there was no, uh, 
you know, there was seldom a greater champion for Christianity than Paul. Um, and so it's, it is very similar, uh, I, I thought to Tony Stark and to, uh, Lamont Cranston is because they're going along. They think they're doing, not necessarily doing the right thing, but they're doing their own thing. They're doing what they, you know, what benefits them. Uh, and then they're, of course, they're jolted by something and they're faced with who they actually are as opposed to who they thought they were and what they've done. And then they have the opportunity to not necessarily redeem themselves, but to get set on the, on the right path. And so, uh, within that, there's a, there's a lot, there's a lot going on because, uh, uh, the, the text that we'll be looking at, although we won't really get into it is, uh, Acts 26, uh, and basically, uh, Paul gives his own testimony, uh, and, and talks about, I, I will read this. Um, he says, uh, he's giving his testimony to King Agrippa. He says, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name, uh, the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem on the authority of the chief priests. I put many of the saints in prison and when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Many a time I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. In my obsession against them, I even went to foreign cities to persecute them. So, uh, and then he talks about how on the way to one of those foreign cities, Damascus, he was confronted by God. Um, and so, I, I, the reason that I, that I read that is that uh, Paul does, does not uh, shy away from who he was. Uh, he has to keep that in mind, you know, he, he, because, because it's, it's all the more amazing that, (laughs) that God didn't just strike him down, but actually saw in him, uh, a a tremendous force for good, which, which leads me to, you know, some ideas like the idea of, you know, it's, it's almost kind of a joke, uh, where people say like, Ooh, will I use this for, for good or evil? And they speak in those really dramatic tones about, you know, something that's probably innocuous. That's kind of a, it's a joke that I say from time to time, but, uh, but it is that idea. I mean, I, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure everybody has thought like, Oh man, look at how smart this person is. Look how, you know, strong this person is, whatever the case may be. Uh, but they're using it for, what many would say is the wrong reason. It's like, Oh, can, if you can, can you just imagine what they could do if they, if they did something good with it? And so the, the two things that I wanted to bring up here is, uh, I wanted to address, uh, some, I think some concerns that people, uh, that I've heard people in my life say about like becoming a Christian. Um, uh, the first, the first concern is that, well, actually, you know what, before I get to that, I'll, I'll get to the other thing that, um, that the, the common thread through Iron Man, through the shadow, through, uh, the, the testimony of Paul is that they all had to acknowledge before they could make any kind of positive change. They all had to acknowledge what they had done, the evil that they had, that they had committed. They had to acknowledge that. They couldn't just be like, well, all right, let's just, uh, I'll do the right thing now. Because you can't know, in in their case specifically, you couldn't know what the right thing was until you recognized that what you had, what they had been doing was wrong. 
And so, um, so that's kind of, that's one of the tenets, by the way, of, of Christianity is, you know, you have to recognize that you're a sinner. And I know that some people have said like, well, that sounds terrible. Why would I do that? But if you look at, if you look at these films and almost any time, and I would venture to say almost any time in your life when you recognize that you've been doing something wrong and you need to start doing something right, it's just a function of that. You cannot go and do the right thing if if you, you know, without acknowledging that what you have been doing is wrong. And that's really what that boils down to, the idea of admitting that you're a sinner. You know, it sounds it sounds really terrible and really dramatic, and it is very dramatic, don't get me wrong, but it is necessary. You do need to be able to see what you what you have done and who you really are. Um, and a lot of I've heard a lot of people say like, well, that's you know, that's like a real downer to do that. It's like it is a downer. Yes, but it is also necessary. And, you know, and the downer will soon be an upper. That doesn't sound right. But anyway, but the downer will, so, you know, you'll soon move past it because you recognize the the forgiveness and the grace that comes with uh, heading down the right path and following Jesus. However, when you do that, and this is a, this is another uh, issue that that I've heard people have, um, the idea that you know people have a certain image in their mind of what a Christian is, which is let's all be let's be honest, Ned Flanders, Ned Flanders from The Simpsons. That's what a Christian is, and a lot of people have no desire to be that, and I can't say as I blame them. Um, and so a lot of people, I, I feel like they, they just think like, oh, geez, well, I don't want to be that. I don't want to change. I like who I am. And, and that's fine. But, you know, what's fascinating to me is, as I mentioned, the idea of using something for good instead of evil, as, as, as we said uh, a moment, we, I said it, as I said a moment ago. Um, and if you look at Iron Man and you look at The Shadow and you look at Paul, um, by the way, Iron Man and the Shadow are not Christian films, so I'm sorry if it uh, if it seems like I'm trying to lump them in with this, like they have an overt Christian message. They don't, but um, but you know, they all of these are stories of of people who were headed down the wrong path and then started heading down the right path. But how much do they change as people? I mean, as far as their personality goes, Tony Stark is still very charming. And he's still a technical genius, but now he's using his technical genius for good. Lamont Cranston is still charming. He's still the same. He's still the same person, but now he's using his powers for good. Paul, I mean, people, anybody who reads the New Testament will tell you that Paul is an incredibly zealous person. He has a great deal of zeal and passion for Christ. Well, did he acquire that passion? No, it was always there. It's just that his passion used to be funneled into persecuting Christians. So the passion was the the passion was there. That didn't change. It's just the direction that it was headed changed. And I feel like that's something, you know, that's something that people get concerned about. They think like, oh man, am I just going to lose my sense of humor? Am I going to lose my, you know, what I'm good at? Am I going to have to give that up? No, you don't. You just, you're just, you, it's just in service of something different now, you know? And so, so that I think is something that, that I, I don't know how many people have a problem with that, but I've heard a couple people in my life 
make reference to that. Um, and so with with these films and with this section of, of the Bible, with this passage, uh, I wanted to address those two things. The idea of, of you know, saying, you know, people say like, well, you have to acknowledge that you're a sinner. And other people say like, well, I don't want to do that, but you, but you have to do it. That's the first step. It, it, it requires seeing yourself as what you are, which is just a flawed, fallen human being. Because that's what you are. It's what I am. It's what we all are. And, you know, we as people certainly don't want to humble ourselves, uh, but it's what we need to do. Because if you're, if you're not humble, then you can't, you can't accept God's authority, you know, because you'll always be fighting him. It'll be either your authority or his. And so, so that's one thing. And then, of course, the other thing is, well... I, if I do that and I do humble myself, like I don't want to just switch over and just be someone completely different. You're not going to be. In fact, some would say that you will be who you were always meant to be. Um, you know, nobody is meant to do evil. People are meant to do good. And if they actually pervert what they're supposed to be doing and do ev- and do evil things with it, then they're not doing what they're meant to be doing. Uh, they really only come into their own when they accept uh, Christ and they accept uh, doing something good with it. You know, uh, Tony Stark, he never, he like, he has all his best weapon ideas when he decides he's going to use them to fight evil instead of he doesn't care. And so, um, so that's kind of what we, what we learn from, from these films and from this passage. And I really would encourage everybody to read Acts 26 uh, because it is just a, a really, the, you know, the, the story of, of Paul is an interesting one, and I'm sure many of us have heard it before, but to actually, like, you know, it, it astounds me how there's all these things that we've all heard, but when's the last time we actually took the time to read it? Uh, because when you read it, it just, oh, it just feels, it has such a different feel to it. And uh, and Paul is always, his passion has always really resonated with me, and him telling his own story uh, is very touching to me. And so I really, I really uh, encourage you to go do that, and uh, you know, and go and watch Iron Man, and just watch how his his arc is very similar to that of of Paul's. Um, go and watch the Shadow. Uh, watch the sh- watch the Shadow in general. Uh, my guess is you probably haven't seen it. It's it's a, a lot of fun. Um, but go back and watch that, and watch Lamont Lamont Cranston. His his uh, arc is very much the same. Um, and so, yeah, so that's what we can get out of these films. Uh, I realized that I kind of threw, threw a couple uh, thematic ideas at you, and so hopefully uh, it wasn't overwhelming. But uh, I also wanted to do, wanted to do this before, before we were done. Um, uh, so as I think I've mentioned before, uh, I feel that the role of a critic is not merely to sit back and talk about art uh, that exists already but to try to aid artists in in what they're trying to accomplish. Um, so uh, in the spirit of that, I have a friend named Will Gray. He is a musician, but he is also uh, a filmmaker, and right now he is making a documentary uh, called Broke. Um, and basically the film... Uh, let me look at the notes. I wanted to make sure I got everything right here. Uh, the film deals with the dilemma and challenges uh, that a musician faces 
uh, in order to quote unquote break in today's market. Um, and by break, you know, it means make a lot of money. Everyone knows who you are, a lot of success. Um, and, but then also the film talks about what it means, you know, what success even means, you know, does it mean that everybody knows who you are or does it mean being, you know, being paid a lot of money or does it merely mean making a living doing what, you know, the, making the art that you feel you should have to make. Um, and so it's, it's a fascinating, it's a fascinating concept and it's one that I think can, uh, can apply to artists of all types, uh, not just musicians, but actors, directors, writers, you know, painters, uh, really, I mean, all kinds. And so, um, so I would recommend everybody go to the website it's brokedoc.com. That's B-R-O-K-E-D-O-C.com. Uh, you can go to facebook.com slash brokedoc. You can go to twitter.com slash brokedoc. Um, and uh, basically, they're still, uh, they're still in production. Uh, they are still raising money uh, to make the film. And I would really recommend uh, heading over there and you know uh, buying a T-shirt, uh, watching the trailer because it really does bring up some interesting questions about what it is to be an artist uh, in today's uh, today's world. So um, uh, rather than the the usual uh, music uh, at the end of the show today, uh, I will be playing a song from Will's uh, uh, album, which is available on iTunes right now. Uh, it's called Introducing Will Gray. The song is called Film Q. Um, and, uh, and I will say this, that Will, uh, he, the, the music that he makes just in general, uh, it's not usually a, like a genre of music that I enjoy, but, uh, but I do like his music and it's not just cause he's a friend of mine. Um, uh, and so I, I highly recommend going to iTunes and, and typing in, uh, Will Gray and, and, uh, giving his album a listen. But, uh, right now just enjoy, uh, the song Film Q. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. You can always find me, uh, Tyler, at morethanonelesson.com. You can go to the website, morethanonelesson.com, where you can read uh, the blog. Um, There are new blogs on a regular basis. Uh, You can take part in the forum, which is uh, morethanonelesson.proboards.com, or you can just click on the forum button on the website uh, and, uh, you know, set up an account on the forum and take part in some of the conversations. Uh, Start one of your own if you like. Uh, and yeah, so thanks everybody for listening and I'll get you next time. Bye. Ain't got time to talk, barely time to live, foot stuck in a hole, and almost lost my soul, kind of wish it's in, wish I were here, before those days are before I pop the gun Cause no one walks the road If you would tell the truth I saw that giant fall And saw her bathing on the roof And still I know the way From blood dried up to clay Got the leaves but like a fruit And living down to the roof Sometimes it's just a way to go You can tell